Hello and welcome to Scandi Today's Let's Talk AI podcast, where you can hear from AI researchers about what's actually going on with AI and what is just clickbait headlines. This is our latest last week in AI episode in which you can get a quick digest of last week's AI news, as well as a bit of discussion between two AI researchers as to what we think about this news. To start things off, we'll hand it off to Daniel Bashir to summarize what happened in AI last week. We'll be back in just a few minutes to dive deeper into these stories and give our takes. Hello, this is Daniel Bashir here with our weekly news summary. This week, we'll look at two facial recognition stories and two governance stories. First off, January 6th has already become a date that will likely live in infamy. The Verge reports that after the Capitol insurrection, the use of infamous facial recognition app Clearview AI spiked, jumping by 26%. The attack was broadcast live and captured in hundreds of images that showed the faces of rioters, and in the aftermath, the FBI and other agencies have asked for public help in identifying participants. The Miami and Alabama police departments in particular have been reported to be using Clearview to identify rioters. While it's certainly a good use to make sure that those who participated in the events face consequences, the use of technologies like Clearview still raises concerns. Next, a facial recognition study at Stanford claims there are links between facial features and political orientation. As VentureBee reports, Stanford-affiliated researcher Mikhail Kosinki used a dataset of over 1 million images to train an algorithm to correctly classify political orientation in 72% of face pairs. The work as a whole embraces the pseudoscientific concept of physiognomy, which claims that facets of a person's character can be divined from their appearance. While Kosinki distances the research from such concepts, they don't dismiss them altogether. Kosinki also made the project source code and dataset available, but not the actual images. This is somewhat transparent, but makes an audit for bias and experimental flaws impossible. Research that could potentially impact people's lives, especially in the area of facial recognition, raises many ethical questions. Systems like Kosinki's should be tested and audited extensively before they are even considered for practical use. On Tuesday, the White House established an office for coordinating AI research and policymaking across government, industry, and academia. As FedScoop reports, the new National AI Initiative Office will serve as a central hub for national AI research and policy. The National AI Initiative Act that established the office was passed as part of the National Defense Authorization Act of 2021 earlier this month. The law also codified the American AI Initiative to increase research investment, increase compute access, set technical standards, build a workforce, and engage with allies. The White House-based Select Committee on AI was expanded and made permanent to oversee the initiative, while the National AI Research Institutes and a National Strategic Plan were also codified. And finally, while the U.S. developed its national AI strategy, the FDA issued an action plan for regulating AI and medical devices. As MedTech Dive reports, the action plan comes amid calls for regulatory clarity on machine learning algorithms. The FDA has only approved and cleared devices that use machine learning algorithms that are locked, and that they do not change without manual updates. As medtech companies such as Medtronic begin incorporating AI capabilities into their products, 
the industry has been waiting for an update on the FDA's oversight plan. The FDA's action plan document touted the ability to learn from real-world experience to improve device performance as an advantage of AI software. The goal is to provide assurances of safety and effectiveness while allowing for iterative improvement of machine learning-based software on medical devices. That's all for this week's News Roundup. Stay tuned for a more in-depth discussion of recent events. Thanks, Daniel, and welcome back, listeners. Now that you've had that summary of last week's news, feel free to stick around for a more laid-back discussion about this news by two AI researchers. One of them is me, Andre Krenkov, a third-year PhD student at the Stanford Vision and Learning Lab. I focus mostly on learning algorithms for robotic manipulation in my research. And with me is my co-host... I'm Sharon, a fourth-year PhD student in the machine learning group working with Andrew Ng. I do research on generative models, improving generalization neural networks, and applying machine learning to tackling the climate crisis as well as to medicine. And it's it's pretty interesting. We are recording on the 20th, a very uh, news-filled day in the U.S. But as usual, we are going to stick to discussion of AI news. Uh, I think we have enough politics surrounding us everywhere. Uh, and unfortunately, we're going to have to get a little political vote with this first story related to what's going on in the U.S., uh, this title here from The Verge is Use of Clearview AI Facial Recognition Text Spiked as Law Enforcement Seek to Identify Capital Mob. So, um, yeah, as the title implies, Clearview AI, which provides the ability to basically Google search people by their face to identify people by uh, photos of their face to get their name, uh, they actually released information that after the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol building by rioters, uh, use of that technology spiked by a lot as different law enforcement agencies like Miami Police Department and um, here the Alabama and uh, even uh, other departments were sending reports to the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force. Um, possibly an okay application in this case, uh, kind of perhaps you can make a justification for it, but at the same time, uh, always the scary thing is if this gets normalized, maybe this gets applied in other contexts where it's less nice. Um, yeah, overall, just a reminder of the dystopian trends we seem to be having with surveillance uh, and uh, it not being regulated at all. What does it kind of make you feel or uh, think, Sharon? Well, it feels like every time there's some type of event uh, that law enforcement needs to be, I guess, deployed in large, large quantities, but also people need to be... I guess, held responsible for their actions, a spike in clear view happens, right? Um, and so I definitely think there needs to be some kind of regulation. There needs to be certain standards for this technology because it's starting to get very mainstream and used very, very often. Um, so I think, I, I yeah, and I, I just feel like there needs to be more put 
a more attention put on them um, in terms of regulation. I can see how it's and I, I've heard arguments where people say, hey, like, why? Why can't we just I mean, it, it should just be about prevention, you know, like we should just prevent the need for this. Um but of course, realistically, humans were just notoriously bad at prevention. That's why diabetes and uh, is is such a big problem in this country because they didn't prevent. You know, like there wasn't enough prevention for healthy eating and exercise, etc. And so, I don't know. Like it's it's hard. It's really hard to just say let's let's prevent. So I think it does make sense to have some regulation to make sure that whatever it is we're using afterwards is is safe and fair. Exactly. And uh, something to note here is that there is some regulation. What you're meaning here is that there's no federal regulation uh, that applies across different states, uh, where obviously this is a case where different departments can use it at their discretion, even if some local departments uh, do have regulations for it in place. And uh, yeah, as you said, uh, there is a bit in this article quoting Nathan Fried Wessler, deputy director of the SCLU's Speech Privacy and Technology Project, that makes the point that the potential for mass surveillance of communities of color have rightly led to some local and state governments to ban it. Uh, because, yes, right now it's being used in this context where most in the US may agree. Uh, rioting on the state capital is bad, but then when it's used next time, it might be against a different context where it might be a peaceful protest or something like that, uh, which you know about Sharon as someone who developed a tool to actually protect people protesting for uh, Black Lives Matters to uh, prevent identification. So yeah, it's it's... Another reminder that we need uh, regulation and certainly we need um, a more consistent uh, basis for how to use technology like that of Clearview AI. Yes, and speaking about regulation, our next article is titled FDA Issues Action Plan for Regulating AI in Medical Devices. Um, so now as we step away from facial recognition and look into a highly regulated industry, medicine, um, the FDA is now looking into uh, how to regulate specifically AI machine learning in uh, software as a medical device uh, area. Uh, so this is uh, exciting that there are, um, or that this trend is happening and that there is work being done on regulating AI, specifically here in medical devices. I'm sure uh, folks in the government regulating you know, facial recognition could take some um, take some ideas from this uh, as well from the FDA. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, the new uh, FDA action plan, Andre? Yeah, it's cool to see that this is happening, certainly. And uh, the article here has some details that are interesting where, for instance, so far, the FDA has only approved or clear devices that have locked algorithms that don't change over time. But of course, machine learning is a very fast evolving field and um, its application to medicine is evolving super rapidly. So you must imagine that companies developing these algorithms 
have a hard time with the sort of regulation where you have to lock in an algorithm when you can actually make it continuously better with machine learning. So, um, so far it's not seen much progress. Uh, the FDA published a discussion paper nearly two years ago, but industry has been waiting for how regulation will happen. So, uh, in this case, it sounds like the FDA has the right idea of touting their ability to learn from real world experience, uh, to improve device performance and, and allowing it presumably, um, yeah. So need to see that there is an action plan. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how quickly this action plan actually turns into regulation, um, year or two, I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> I guess we'll see if uh, if this podcast is around when it happens. Uh, it'll be interesting to talk about. Yeah. So um, to shed a bit more light on the uh, locked algorithms idea, the FDA very much makes it so that you have to basically freeze all your weights for your model and test it at a certain checkpoint, for example, and then never change it or like don't change it for years. Um, and obviously that could be pretty detrimental if your distribution shifts or you want to use your model on a different or even want to use any type of fine tuning or few shot approach. I feel like it, it basically restricts all of those. Uh, so, and obviously this has pros and cons, right? The pro is that people can't make uh, different changes, small changes that might actually very much hurt model performance or hurt patient outcomes in some way. Uh, but also this has its own issues as I've talked to people who, uh, wear a certain medical device and they're like, yeah, it's FDA approved, but it sucks because they couldn't change the interface. So it's in this like really bad interface. And even though they know it's bad now that they've gotten feedback from users, it's, it's too late. <laughs> they got approved in that frozen state, um, in that locked state. And so, um, I think for, for all of software, it's actually quite useful to not be completely locked, but for AI in particular, it's almost necessary. It's almost, it's very much part of the whole, the whole cell of this, um, this uh, of this uh, software, and so uh, I think it is important that the FDA is having these conversations. I think obviously they are not completely sure of how to move forward, which is why they're having all these discussions, um, and they're going to have, I think, another workshop, a public workshop about it too. Yeah, so certainly another area where regulation is something we'd want. Uh, it seems like an area where maybe the current regulation is not up to par. So um, as you said, good to see that there's a plan. Let's see how quickly we get from that to actual regulation. Now on to a different topic from regulation, something that moves quite a bit faster. <laughs> Seemingly, it's uh, we're going to discuss actual research result, uh, which we don't always do in these episodes. Uh, talking about an article from VetureBeat titled Google trained a trillion parameter AI language model. So just last week, we were talking about the new models from OpenAI where they did both images and text. And once again, with OpenAI, that was an, uh, a case of increasing scale and uh, feeding more data to a very large model and showing what it can do. Uh, this is interesting because uh, with Google's new algorithmic approach, 
they were able to scale language models to a ridiculous 1.6 trillion parameter per, uh, count. Right. So OpenAI, famously with GPT-3, had I think 175 uh, uh, gigs of parameters, not trillion. So um, truly massive language models. Uh, but the nice thing is that they claim in here that because they're using something called a switch transformer and new sparsely activation technique, you won't get into it. But it enables faster training uh, with the same amount of computational resource, uh, resources. So actually, even though this is a case of getting bigger, uh, the technique itself could be used to lower the amount of com compute needed to do cutting edge uh, research in this area of language models and, and processing of text. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of uh, what I gather here. Anything you noted that's uh, different, Sharon? Uh, I find it, you know, impressive, of course, but also a little bit ironic with uh, Timnit's firing earlier uh, last year. And um, it's just, this is exactly what she was warning about. So I guess they're not okay with that warning. Um, this seems to be that, that model, uh, very relevant. Um, and so it does go a bit hand in hand with their ethics work. Um, yeah. Yeah, to uh, give a bit more background, we discussed this uh, a little while back. Uh, Timna Jabru, one of the leads of the um, AI ethics team at Google, was famously fired, uh, reportedly in part over a research paper on the harms of large language models. And here we have the biggest language model so far. So as you said, um, that not being addressed so much in this research and Google possibly just pushing forward and using these language models despite their own internal uh, and external uh, work showing that there can be some harm of biases and uh, uh, basically training on huge amounts of data can lead to baking in the biases where you have, which is not something you want. Um, hopefully in the future, they'll do a better way, uh, do a better job of addressing these things at the same time as scaling up. Uh, certainly they've gotten enough feedback and criticism from, you know, even our podcast and other people in the eye related to that. Right. Absolutely. And so on to, uh, how AI, so this is a, t a language model, right? So on to our next article, which is again about AI-powered text. Uh, so AI-powered text from this program could fool the government is the next article from Wired. And uh, basically it covers how the government is especially vulnerable to these uh, deepfake text manipulation uh, models. And so, I, I mean, I, I could definitely see that. Um, one very clear instance of that is that the government can be targeted by uh, essentially uh, these bots that want, want want some kind of thing. And that could be net neutrality. There, there was an instance of that in 2017 that over a million comments submitted to the FCC was actually uh, auto-generated in some way. 
And so this could definitely be targeted at the government, uh, who is especially vulnerable to uh, this type of uh, these types of attacks, I guess you could say. Yeah, I guess some what we've seen this to some extent before here, the interesting bit is um, the comments were not other generated kind of in a simple way, which was often true before, but with just sort of prompts or, uh, you know, uh, very simple other generation techniques here. Uh, they were actually generated by AI, and a study found that people could not distinguish real comments from the fake ones. Whereas maybe if you have a co coordinated thing that just uses a script that's very similar, you know, you could you could see that and kind of discard it. Whereas if you are actually soliciting public feedback and you can't tell apart real comments from troll comments, that's starting to be a little bit more concerning. Uh, so, uh, I guess another case of, um, as we just discussed, uh, one of the negative side effects of having very good language models and the case of AI being used for a harmful, um, and result where we need research to really counteract it and to figure out how we can determine if text is real, uh, how we can we determine if it comes from actual people. Um, still very much open-ended and something we'll be looking and discussing, no doubt, um, for the coming year or however long it takes for something to come about, because it doesn't seem like we have anything yet that is really tackling this problem. Right. It's not clear. It's not clear. And I can see how governments are particularly vulnerable, uh, due to their, uh, lack of, I guess, um, I mean, they do have tech people, but I, I feel like it's not enough. And in the fact that they are a power center uh, to be targeted. Yeah, it could be maybe this new AI initiative office or whatever we covered last week <laughs> will lead to some more AI expertise and some more initiatives to protect the government from deep fakes and, and politics from deep fakes. Uh, but we haven't seen that yet, and, and hopefully we will uh, this year sometime. And with that, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Skynet Today's Let's Talk AI podcast. You can find the articles we discussed here today and subscribe to our weekly newsletter with similar ones at skynettoday.com. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to leave us a rating and a review if you like the show. Be sure, Be to, sure tune to tune in next, in next week. week. Oh.